Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Divided Films, the podcast where we talk about movies that audiences and critics do not agree on. With me, as always, is my loyal co-host, Keith. Oh, hello! And coming back to the podcast today, we are very excited to welcome back Stephanie Ciano. Hey, hello, Steph. hello. So happy to have you back here on the pod. Happy to be back as virtually as I can be. <laughs> yeah. Getting on the uh, remote recording train here as we've been doing the last several episodes. Um, so uh, today, we are talking about the 2015 uh rom-com train wreck uh written and starring amy schumer and um directed by uh judd apatow this movie falls into the category of having a positive score with critics 85 percent on rotten tomatoes and a mixed score with audiences 66 percent audience score there on rotten tomatoes the critics consensus Trainwreck drags commitment out of all but the most rom-com phobic filmgoers with sharp humor, relatable characters, and hilarious work from Amy Schumer. Uh, so that is, um, you know, just the factoids there on uh, Trainwreck. So what do you guys think? Have you seen Trainwreck before, like when it first came out? And uh, what are your initial thoughts on this, uh, on this movie? Start with Steph. Yeah, so I definitely saw this one in theaters when it came out because just not that I'm a huge Amy Schumer fan myself, but you know, girls got to you know celebrate other girls. Um, so I tried. The first time I saw it in theaters, I actually really did like it. It kind of evoked an almost like forgetting Sarah Marshall feel to it, but like mm -hmm. clearly far more raunchy, clearly pushed the boundaries a little bit more, and I kind of respected it. Um, it's been five years since I've seen it. I just saw it again this week, and everything that I thought I remember I liked about it was completely wrong. I ended up hating it. And I was yeah. actually surprised to hear that the critics liked it. I found every single character to not only be not relatable, but like the worst kind of human that you actively rooted against the entire movie. Like very little redeeming about Amy Schumer's character. Yeah, there's like a lot of very dislikable characters that I don't find relatable. I find that kind of odd in the consensus, you know, relatable characters. Like I don't know anyone like these people. Um, and you're right, like starting with Amy Schumer, there's just so many dislikable people with just really like mean spirited behavior. So um, that to me was like a major turnoff. What, what did you think, Keith? I, I thought I would be the mean one in this situation. And I'm not even I didn't think I'd be that mean. Uh, I this is my second time seeing it. I think when we first moved in together, JJ, this was one of the movies like, hey, everyone's telling us to check it out. Yeah. And we watched it and we're like, OK. Uh, my overall feeling is good enough, cute enough, funny enough. Mm -hmm. Is it funny? I definitely understand. Okay. The, you're not laughing out loud. You're kind of... <laughs> but I think I'm supposed to be laughing out loud. I get the sense that this movie wants me to be giving these, like, big laughs. There's a lot of, like, comedic set pieces in this movie that I just don't think pay off very well. There's just a lot of, like interesting ideas that maybe just aren't executed well i don't know if it's just from not having like funny enough writing or maybe just like not funny enough acting or a combination of both you but know, to I, me yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but i completely ex i know exactly what you are talking about and i was sitting here like i honestly had a notepad out while i was watching it because i'm like what this should be funny and i honestly i think it goes to the editing of it it's slow mm. it is a slow movie it, it, it clocks it in at like yeah. two full hours which is just too long for what it is each scene could probably be cut in half maybe three quarters of the size of each scene and there are just a lot of superfluous scenes there's the movie takes on a lot it explores the father-daughter relationship the sister's relationship the multiple paramours relationships the work relationship it just it does a lot it's it's like kind of all over the place right i mean um you're right there's like so many characters and so many of these um scenes that you don't really need right like i mean for starters one the biggest bone i had to pick in this movie is lebron james um which i feel like he adds nothing to this movie at all you could cut pretty much almost all of his scenes out i find the whole thing of him just bizarre like he's obsessed with his doctor's love life i don't get that at all and um i have a theory 
that like this wasn't even like his part was not even in the movie originally written i have a feeling that he like wanted to get involved in movies his people talked to some other people and like eventually like it came to this project and they were like hey like let's write a part for lebron to let him test his feet in the you know in the waters of hollywood and see how it works and to me it did not work at all there there's a lot of theories about this movie um and actually jj that theory is actually kind of correct uh and i didn't i always send jj a fact sheet about this movie uh, kind of like what the critics are saying. I take the best of what the audience is saying, some factoids. And the one fact I didn't I didn't think was important enough, but I should have added it, is that the LeBron James role was supposed to be played by the the head pirate from Captain Phillips, that actor. Oh. But he, he dropped out to go do another movie. And I do think LeBron's people probably, like, this is a perfect combination. Um get on it we'll change the whole we'll make him a sports doctor uh because oh. a lot of things were like she, she was going to be used car salesman right and then judd apatow was like make it something so make it something else make it something uh, like generic like that would have been at least interesting like, it was used such car a cliche salesman. every single rom-com some girl who's probably not wildly qualified works for a magazine which is just so unrealistic given how competitive that industry is yeah, and like, what kind of magazine is this anyway? Like, she's writing about a sports doctor, but some of the other things they're writing about are like super vulgar things about like people's like bizarre sexual fetishes. Like, what is this magazine? At one point, like, Tilda Swinton is like, oh, we're gonna instead go with the piece on like what the kids who were paid off by Michael Jackson are up to now. Like, is this National Enquirer or something? Like, what is this magazine? It feels like a dirtier National Enquirer meets Playboy, but, like, trying to be Esquire, but really is getting just pulled back into tabloid. Because, like, where one of the writers pitches, oh, I have a story idea, like, how to jerk off at work without getting caught, and I've already started doing research. Like, that was one of those moments where I was like, huh, okay, funny. And then all of a sudden I was like, what the fuck kind of magazine is this? Because also, like, 2015 was only five years ago. Which magazines are actually giving literal ink to this? That that might be, like, a BuzzFeed article. I get it. But that's one of, like, eight articles that you, like, write in a day, and then you're done, and then you move on and write eight more articles tomorrow. Well, for better or for worse, Judd Apatow, that is a Judd Apatow movie. He let he gets, he brings in, uh, and granted, he his love of comedy and comedian shows like there's a lot of all co- different David tell I thought was pretty funny in it. And you don't really see David tell in movies, but you're also you're like, you let the camera roll and just right. improv it for a half hour. I totally got that sense. Like in that like scene where they're pitching their ideas, these are all actors I've seen in comedic parts before, like, you know, Jeremy jam from parks and rec. Right. And then you have, um, you know, uh, like, yeah, I've I recognized all these actors before. And it definitely seemed like they were just kind of like making it up as they go along. But again, like they maybe need a little more direction, a little more sense of like where they are, you know, like they're just, it's funny in like such a broad sense, but not in a sense that makes sense that in a sense that makes sense, but it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in this context is what I'm trying to say. So to, to evoke another uh, Judd Apatowism from, uh, I think it was 40 or no. To just to evoke another John Apatow movie with, with uh, Catherine <laughs> Heigl, where uh, where she's being told to like tighten up, just tighten up a little bit. Like I oh, feel like up. that improv-y thing would work if it was just tighter, like quicker yeah. edits. You pick the things that you know come you know at the top of your head. Pick the ones that are most interesting. Don't just like let the camera flow the entire time. Mm-hmm. Pick the ones that are most interesting. Some quick cuts, and the movie would have flowed so much better, which would have made like the odious characters a little less odious yeah a little more tolerable uh uh, this is his fifth film and it kind of makes like a 40 year old virgin and knocked up seems like 40 year old virgin i I still think is his shortest film it is like the hour and a half length and it you know there's funny improv moments and it kind of feels so like wow that feels so long ago because then he did funny people and made like a two movies in one mm-hmm. and one critique whether you think about this is 40 i just watched uh, king of staten island and i liked it but one critique about judd apatow is his movies whether you like him or hate him 
are a little bit too long. Yeah. They need to be edited down. Yeah, just... And he just doesn't keep... He doesn't take that advice. <laughs> off the top of my head, like, towards the end of the movie, when Amy Schumer is on the subway train and, like, Leslie Jones from SNL is, like, yelling at her, like, how, how do I know how the subway works? I'm like, what? not funny and doesn't add anything. Like, cut that out. There seem to be all these, like, just random appearances from SNL cast members just because they happen to be filming in New York. And, again, they didn't really add anything. So many cameos. There were Pete Davidson. Matthew Broderick comes in. Nobody oh. explained who he's supposed to be. I, I hated he that. does I the intervention I... with Bill Hader. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm going to listen to you, Ferris Bueller. There's no reason that that scene should have ever happened. And just another scene for LeBron, right? Because it's like LeBron's idea for this intervention. But again, yeah, not funny. And... Um... Again, does not make any sense at all. And I think Matthew Broderick was just playing himself. And, like, what is his relation to Bill Hader? There's that no he's relationship. A, a um, and it, yeah. Uh, but, so, like, Bill Hader, I do think, is, like, the saving grace of the movie. I rooted I for him. I wanted to date him. He was mm. fantastic. Like, there was that was uh, a character you wanted to succeed. You were rooting for. When bad things happened to him, your heart went out. And, and, and he, he had compassion. He, he was a human being. So, like, maybe that's what the critics were talking about, was just yeah. Bill Hader the whole time. But he doesn't show up until, like, minute 23. Right, right. I do think this movie does have, like, the... What's great about it, there's some high highs and then the, there's some low lows. And I'm not talking about like emotional lows. I'm just talking about from like storytelling standpoints. I do think Bill Hader and the stuff with her dad, which she wrote, like her own dad ha suffers from MS and it came from an emotional place. I thought Colin Quinn, who's not really an actor, funny dude, really was great in the part. Uh, the relationship with her sister was great. It was honestly like the, the absurd scenarios for me. And, like, yeah. and Bill Hader kind of saved it. Yeah, I agree. Ish. Bill Hader, <laughs> Bill, I mean, especially compared to all the other characters, he's even super likable. And, you know, Bill Hader for me is an actor that I like seeing appear in things. You know, like he's like got, I think now, um, one of the most successful post SNL careers. I mean, he's won an Emmy now and he just is like a very likable and very um, like adaptable actor. You know, he has a lot going for him. So I do like him in this. And, you know, uh, I think he's probably like, you're right, stuff like the the best aspect of this movie. But I, I don't understand what his character sees in the Amy Schumer character. You know, he's like, I like you, you like me. But she has done nothing up to that point, but like crap all over what he likes and what his profession is. And so I just, I didn't really get the chemistry between the two of them, where like, he is the one who's more into it than she is. I completely agree. She's not... You need to have like a redeeming quality to be able to say like, okay, as an audience member, I get your attraction to her, but there was just no redeeming quality. They didn't have the same interests. They didn't have the same goals in life. They seemed to have some crazy communication problems and different expectations. And quite frankly, she didn't, she wasn't even charming. Like, it's not no. even like she stunned him with her quick wit and her only... and her quick turn of phrase. No, she was just an annoying character. And also, you don't even hear her writing. So it's not like her talent carried her all this way. If her talent carried her all this way, wouldn't she be working for the Wall Street Journal? <laughs> right. Like, if anything, um, she doesn't really seem to be, like, a good journalist because she, again, is, like, insulting him. And then, like, she, like, winds up sleeping with him. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of crazy. The only thing I saw were, like, I... I laughed a little bit was when she's hooked up to that like body machine thing that's like imaging capturing like her body movements like I thought that was kind of funny and there I can see maybe where he would like warm up to her a little bit but that was like a tiny snippet like you know where, where like um, I if they focus on that kind of aspect of comedy you know I think I could have seen the value of the relationship a little more so uh, off the record do you want to maybe go grab some dinner? Um, actually, Aaron, I think you're so great. And, uh, but I'm a writer. I'm your writer. <laughs> you're my subject. And uh, from now on, we, we need to just keep it professional. Okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. I think we really like each other and we should start dating. N no, I'm, I'm saying... I'm confused. I, am I not communicating this right? Like I, I. No, I hear you. I'm just saying I disagree. Do you like me? Yeah. Yeah. See, I really like you. So we should be a couple. <laughs> no, no. I, I have pl plans. What are your plans? 
extensive. Is that true? No. But I don't you think it, I, there are some scenes that I just found that were supposed to like be emotional or at least like move the narrative forward that I just found the dialogue so like I thought the Bill Hader on the second time meeting you I think we should date we like each other I thought that was so weird it was I'm weird like, can you imagine and, like uh, like someone just saying like I think we should be a couple after like one night together and you're like the context of your relationship is like a journalist interviewing you know you as their subject and then you're just like very like matter-of-factly like we should be a couple like that's not like romantic or convincing really in any way and you can and you can find comedy in like oh my god he's calling me why is he calling me but they acted like he's but like i just found that so like why would a man ever call after a couple days i like this is alien to me i found that so over the top stra- I, over it was an overreach for me overreach yeah. and also so wrong for vanessa bayer's character like that was just so not who she was maybe that reaction does work for amy schumer's character like the amy character that makes sense kind of but then vanessa bear who is this ray of sunshine who can't stop smiling to like the most annoying <laughs> the big cheesy grin who does not belong at this dirty men's tabloid porno magazine by the way yeah how'd she get hired there <laughs> no and then get promoted to executive editor it's just that whole character didn't make any sense but her participation in this conversation it wasn't even like she was obviously trying to stretch herself so she could make a work friend Vanessa Bayer was delivering those lines like she really believed them. And and as a female who worked in Manhattan and lived in Manhattan and did the Manhattan dating scene and everything, like you don't just expect every human being is that level of garbage. I mean, garbage, yes, but that level of garbage, yeah. that's it's overreaching to the point of like, even by New York City standards, it's egregious. Yeah. It was it was kind of like pandering at that point. You know, it's like, all right, I get it. I get what you're doing. Like, this is strange to you. But like now it's like way too much at that point. Yeah, I didn't really get the Vanessa Bayer, Bayer character that much. I mean, I had one laugh from her in the beginning when she can't stop smiling. But then again, that she, made me laugh. she had like a couple weird lines when like when she like at the dad's funeral, she like whispers to like Method Man's character like I I was with a black man once. And I'm like, what? Like, what? Like, like, what the heck was that? Like, that was kind of weird to me. Like, her um, attempt on, like, hitting on someone. Like, she just, her character almost seemed like two people where, like, each mm. character needed to be a little bit more dynamic in who they were. I really think that it goes down to workshopping a little bit. Like, this yeah. is such an autobiographical film that, like, everyone was such, like, a caricature, but also, like, a caricature of, like, seven different people in Amy Schumer's lives versus, like, a strong archetype that represents this thing. Like, it, they needed to be a little bit more pointed and directed. It, and it, that, and that's why John Cena was the MVP of this movie for me. This may, this whether we, and I know we're listing criticisms of this movie, but John one Cena. of the pros is this definitely made him a star. This was his breakout role. I th- in terms of like this movie was a success. It was made for thirty five, made over one hundred forty. Uh, this movie, like John Cena, you know, I think he started getting roles. He. I think he hosted SNL after this too. Like he was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, that's like following maybe in like the footsteps of like, you know, the rock, you know, like this like WWE guy who like has some charisma. Right. And like maybe some sort of, I don't know, screen presence that, you know, he's figuring yes. out, you know, so I kind of got that. Um, I, I didn't mind him too much. Uh, like I, again, I kind of laughed a little bit when he is in the theater. He's like, Hey, you're an asshole. You know what I do to assholes? I lick them. Like, that I thought was kind of funny. Um, him saying Chinese during sex, that was, like, he, he was probably the laugh out loud moments for me. Of like, mm-hmm. like, because he, uh, that scene was, he was kind like, of improvising. That scene was kind of uncomfortable, it, though, when he's, like, naked It went on top a little of her. bit too long. It was, like, too much. I'm like, all right, long, but... all right already. Like, you know, he's, like, a very good-looking man, but, like, it seems a little exploitive, like, all these ass shots. <laughs> like, all right, I get it. <laughs> it was over the top. And it was over the top for, like, very little reason because I, I also agree, Keith. I think that John Cena as an actor was one of the big highlights of this film and honestly made me want to watch him in more films. However, John Cena, the character, why oh, was yeah, he yeah. even in the movie? Like, this is supposed mm-hmm. to be about a girl who is 
she does not do monogamy, she does not do dating, and the movie starts out with her having a steady boyfriend but also screws around with other guys. Okay, fine, but why does she have the steady boyfriend when that's so, like, divorced from the persona that she is? Yeah, that totally contradicts everything they set up in the first few minutes. Like, oh, she's seeing someone? Um, I think the only, like, purpose he serves is that when they break up, he says to her, like, you know, you're mean, and then he walks away, and it's kind of like okay, this is where she starts, you know, she's this mean person, he's gonna, like, hammer that in, and then, like, obviously she has to evolve from there, you know, and, and become a better person. So that, to me, was just gonna, uh, overly establishing the character at that point. I'm gonna throw out another theory that, and I I don't want to be this movie's lawyer or anything, but I do think... Objection! It's like, some, someone had to go, like, hey, you're pretty funny. Let's write more scenes for you. Okay. Like, let, like, I... I think this movie was intended to be like an hour forty minutes. Mm -hmm. It should have been LeBron's like, character. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I didn't think Ed Ezra Miller was needed at all. Like, like I oh. really don't understand. I hated that. That scene I was absolutely. That whole scene was really uncomfortable. I work. mean, the third act kind of fell flat for me, but that scene, like his whole plot line, that was like especially like a, a real low point in the movie it. when when like they get together. You know, she's like sad, and so like you know she's gonna go with this guy, but like. He was like, you know, making these moaning sounds that were like nails on a chalkboard. I couldn't even listen to the sounds he was making or the way he look at how he was acting. It was too, too much. Like, okay, here's a guy who knows nothing about sex. Sure. But at, it was like way too intolerable as a viewer. <laughs> like, it wasn't I thought, funny. I know, I, know, I know it's supposed to push the line, but I was like, this isn't even funny. And it made me go bring back the John Cena character. I, I know it's part of the plot, but I'm like, he at least is funny in this mm -hmm. and it can make her learn a lesson. That's what I was doing. To, I was playing backseat driver with it, but yeah. Yeah. It, I, that's it, like it, Judd, Judd Apatow is part of that. Like he'll bring in funny people, let the camera go for better, for worse. You'll get but, a good line. You'll get a, you'll, and it'll go too long. You need like a balance though of like, good thing like fun like okay you bring in these funny people and you kind of want to want to let them do their thing but you have to give them funny things to say right you can't just have them like just act weird and like expect us to laugh like one character i thought was a huge swing and a miss was the tilda swinton character who like i don't think a single thing she said was funny i just was confused and she's acting in a way that's like i really think this like sounds like it should be funny and she's acting like she should be funny she's just not you know, like, there's just nothing there. Like, it, it was, like, all just her acting weird and over the top. And I just, I, that also, I did not understand her character at all. It, it was almost like they tried for a Miranda Priestly and failed and missed the Miranda Priestly. Like, they, it, demanding, ed, you know, executive editor at a magazine is an archetype add an accent makes her a little mm -hmm. bit more intimidating okay sounds good but like she doesn't do that much in the beginning to one make anyone believe that amy schumer this is amy schumer's dream job like mm -hmm. call it what it is this is the kind of content you want to be writing for your entire time you seem to be embarrassed when it's brought up on dates even like clearly this mm -hmm. is not her dream job so why are you so afraid of getting fired also it's oh, yeah. not like she shows like a pattern of being an overbearing boss where she's like reaching out and demands this at this time and if you don't call me back it's a huge problem and then all of a sudden like we get to bill Hader's award ceremony and it's like she gets two text messages like call me or you're fired and all of that, a sudden also, it's like oh my god i have to call my boss and ruin everything at no point at no point though before that scene were we given the impression that her job was in danger you know like it's like she just has this job okay they're not going to go with her story whatever but then all of a sudden it's like pick up this call right now you're fired and it's a it's like a call about like you know like oh what what angle is better for this story or something something i totally do not even need to call you right now about like that was very contrived just to get her out of the room and you have Bill Hader be upset with her. And then there's like the conflict there that starts like the breakup. I was mad that she smoked. I was just like, I like, it's one thing to take a call and then be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's like smoking outside. I'm like, why are you guys even together? This mm -hmm. is all like, he, he has every right to be mad. It's, it, it felt like two teenagers who didn't know how to do emotions. Like, and, and just not in the acting, but in the writing of like, 
Why are you mad at me? I don't know. I don't understand monogamy. What is this happening? Why I'm falling in love with you? They threw out all these like, like rom com fight cliches in that scene. Like, why are you with me? Like, this is not gonna. It was like like every single line you've ever heard in any sort of rom com fight at that point in the movie, like two thirds through when they're gonna have their like falling out. Like they plucked from that and just kind of like Frankenstein that conversation. And that's where I have to ask the critics like, what exactly like. Before we saw this movie, this movie was advertised as a game changer for romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. This movie is going to flip the script. And it really only flipped the script in the gender swap. That's it. But it followed every other... Honestly, 500 Days of Summer was a big game changer to romantic comedies in the past 10 years. Than yeah. this. There's, there's like, you know, another movie I think of that it like is innovative in like a romance is like eternal sunshine the spotless mind you know you take you just totally like like come up with your own new structure of film in the context of like a romantic genre this like you're right the only thing they're doing differently is flipping the the gender um so instead of like the guy who sleeps around a lot it's the girl who sleeps around a lot and that's fine like you know i'm i'm all for more movies like that depict like um Sex that positive. normalizes sex. That normalizes right. the fact that women have sex. I completely agree. Right. More of that. And also, like, more of that for, like, women of, like, all different kinds of body types. Because I think that's another thing that critics are least praising is that, okay, Amy Schumer is not your, like, typical, like, super skinny girl that you normally see in these kind of movies. And yet, like, she's still able to, like, pick up the guys and, like, have a fulfilling sexual life. So, again, all for that. It's, you know, I'm not confused. The reason I'm confused by so many guys go with her, it's not from her physical, you know, uh, appeal. It's because of how crappy her personality is. It's truly a personality thing. And, like, also to the point that one of my issues with the John Cena character is, like, why were they together in the first place? Like, how did they meet? This is the love story I wanted to watch. I want John Cena to be the protagonist and watch how mm-hmm. they actually met because it seems as though they have absolutely nothing in common. He is this meathead. He goes to the gym. He works out. And she clearly has absolutely zero interest in anything sports related. She even says that. Like, she like she hates sports and that she's with, like, the super muscly guy. There is – the reason why I think they're together is because, like, during the scene where they're having sex, that long, drawn-out scene – and he's trying to think of ways to like make it sexier. He does say like, "Oh, for the first time I saw you, when I saw you from behind, you looked like a guy." And then like you know he has an orgasm, and like that must be the reason why he wants to be with her is because he thought from behind she looked like a guy, which she doesn't. But she doesn't. <laughs> but, like that okay. goes back to like she's all, she's inherently like a little bit more of a like I say curvy in that she her body is not like literally a board. She is not an overweight mm-hmm. woman by any stretch. She's no, far no. skinnier than most human beings. But like <laughs> she does not look like a guy. No. Like that was such a like a dumb thing. Like at that moment I totally fell off the John Cena character because I'm like, oh, this is your character now. You're in the closet muscly guy who is like um unaware, I guess. Like it's like the Tobias thing from Arrested Development. Like he's just saying things that are super gay that he doesn't realize. Like that's been done before. The and, Tobias uh, I didn't... thing from Arrested Development was like what they were trying to evoke, I think, with the movie theater scene. And for me, that all fit. That made sense. John Cena like trying to intimidate somebody and having everything come out like slightly homoerotic and then get more homoerotic <laughs> as the insults build and you know built and build and build. That's funny. Like that's mm-hmm. comedy. But like Just like being, you know, having like a closeted gay type personality sometimes is not a joke. Yeah, I I felt sad for him. Like she's like kind of making fun of him as they break up. Like, that's so gay. You're so gay. And I'm like, is that funny? It's it's kind of just you're just saying he's gay. And that's not a joke in and of itself. Hey, uh, Mark Wahlberg, shut your bitch up. Mark Mark Wahlberg? Me? Who else looks like Mark Wahlberg? Your girl? Mark Wahlberg's like 150 pounds. I'm 250 lean. I look like Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. Your muscles aren't a fucking problem. Do you it's even your live? yapping girlfriend. Just say fuck you. Yeah. I will fuck you, all right? I will enter you. You're going to enter me? Did you hear what he said? What are you talking about right now? I'm just trying to do it. You're just talking about raping him. 
You're not about that life, champ. I can see it. Oh, I am about that yeah, life. No, no, no. Like, I will like get muscles. crazy up in here. You like movies? We'll make a movie. Oh, God. I, we'll make Mama Say Knock You Out, starring my fist in your dick hole. It's it's just hitting me that there, we're like the more that we're discussing this movie, the more that we're finding a better what the movie really should be mm. in it. Like, because I, I do, I think part of me thinks they should have they should have kept it simple. She probably should have been a car salesman, a used car salesman. Like that's a it, funny, at least quirky appeal. Like you never see that. I, this movie came out at the right time for Amy Schumer. I think like the, like this was. If I remember correctly, uh, her her show was a knockout on Comedy Central. Yeah, I think hit. she was winning all these awards. She was probably at the top. I think she was like the comedian 2015. Mm -hmm. This movie was a success. So I think this movie did come out at the right time for her. I just think, and I think if you're writing, I think if you're in the moment, you're just kind of throwing everything at the wall. Yeah. Like the movie interrupts important moments for other movies like yeah. I remember uh, I like they're having like Bill Hader and her. The Bill Hader and her are talking. He's like, "Oh crap! I gotta go to my dad. I gotta handle." She's getting texts from her sister. I'm like, "There's some good stuff in here." I, but it's like the stuff that's like uh, the first time they meet. Uh, she meets Bill Hader. I was so worried that I'm like, "Oh no, they really don't have chemistry." And I bet, knowing Bill Hader's anxiety, I bet this was the first film that uh, the the first scene that they shot, and they're both trying to get into that I, I don't think they had any chemistry in that first scene they did build into it in the later on but they're also in a world of like you don't know sports you don't know you don't this is you're not in a reporting world the magazine world and you're not in the sports isn't world. that this another is so isn't that another weird. cliche though of rom-coms like they don't have anything in common they don't like each other at first but they're gonna like that you know that's kind of been done a lot before but i agree i think the movie like is like kind of all over the place also in terms of tone and genre. Like at one point she has this very like Woody Allen esque scene in the middle where she's like, you know, you got a montage of their relationship and she's, she even makes like a Woody Allen joke, but like, you know, she's narrating, which is like the second of two times she narrates in the movie. I also thought that was kind of weird. Like why are you only narrating in like two scenes? And um, then you have uh, the funeral scene, which like, I found to be genuine, but also way too dramatic for what else was going on in the movie. Like you're having a scene where people are pitching, you know, magazine stories about masturbating. And then you're having this like very like personal, you know, overly dramatic scene uh, in the funeral scene. And I'm like, I, this just doesn't go together. Like you just you're forcing it. It's not it's not fitting together. No, the narration made me cranky too because like it only existed for the first 15 minutes of the movie and then like it yeah. never came back and they just never acknowledged that like amy schumer had ever narrated this movie before like it was like, very like much could, out yeah. of the blue and then it just ended with no explanation yeah it just like, like they forgot figured about it out it was her sister yes. we could have figured it out exactly it yeah. like you don't need that i mean the the previous scene was literally like them as children like like, it's a yeah. pretty natural corollary there. But actually, the beginning scene, the opening scene for me was one of the best ones about the dad talking about why he did not like monogamy. It set the stage for, like, who she was as a person. Like, these were kind of the uh, the the values that she was taught only from her father, though. Not from his mm -hmm. mom. Like, we never meet the mother. We know she passed away, but like, clearly she was alive in that scene. So, like, yeah. how is the dad leaving the mom for, you know, mistresses? that influential when she still has you know a mother who is alive and well and is probably the primary caretaker especially if the dad is with all the floozies well they said like she like the de the mom raised them like the dad is the one who left uh, but i guess she like is the one like there's the older sister like is the one who idolized him I, I agree that that first scene does a good job setting i guess like the thesis for her character in the beginning like you know this this is like your anti-romantic sort of scene here like to hell with all that stuff uh but then you get that stuff later on anyway so like it kind of it pulled back its punches later on it was actually very funny so um where i work we had like the former ceo was a bit of a character i guess um and he came to visit the new york city office where i was working i was an intern and he comes and sits down at the lunch table with me and the other girls all of us were like essentially like under the age of 26 or something and he's in his 60s probably 70s at that point and he sees one of my coworkers eating a sandwich and 
says like, oh, well, you wouldn't want to eat that sandwich every single day of your life, right? I mean, imagine somebody made you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every single day of your life. Wouldn't you miss salami? Wouldn't you miss a turkey club? And we're like, what are you talking about? He goes, I just left my wife. And then it goes into an entire diatribe about how monogamy is like being forced to eat the same sandwich every single day. And I honestly thought the first time I saw this movie that, okay, you know what? That first scene, a little contrived. What man would ever say that? Who doesn't hear that and be like, you know what? This is probably a bad thing to say to a young woman. And then I experienced it firsthand. I'm like, oh, okay. You know what? Maybe that scene is a little relatable. But like, did that guy maybe like watch the movie and then kind of just like change the metaphor for his own purposes? Like it kind of is like, it's too similar to be an original speech. For the listener at home, we did not know that before we picked Steph as the guest of this movie. That is very I honestly forgot that scene was even in the movie until I rewatched it this weekend. And I was sitting there like jaw on the coffee table, like, oh my God. I've been in this conversation. I've been in that seat before. I was told to not eat the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We know like people relationships. You can't compare them to like sandwiches or dolls. Like that is such a bad like comparison. But it makes sense in the movie, I guess, because the guy's bitter for in real life with that guy who comes in. That is like a like like TMI with the whole thing there. Um, and just kind of insane. It, it kind of works for a comedy. It is not a, like meant to be a real life philosophy for kind of like dirt bags and bitter men <laughs> to like preach I'm just about. Pi- I don't know why I'm picturing like a Colonel Sanders type guy in a white suit and a cane sit down next to these girls and talk about sandwiches and monogamy at the same time. I don't know why I'm just picturing an eccentric New York guy. <laughs> he was a very New York eccentric guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, he's like, just that. You know, just like a casual guy who doesn't believe in monogamy and like, you know, just lives his life, which is fine. Sure. I, I get it. You're, you're a CEO or whatever. But like the rest of us are 26 year old girls sitting there like, I have a boyfriend. Yeah. No, I completely buy the message of this movie. I, I completely buy it. And I also like I'm, I would be OK of adding the mom. And part of me is like, oh, my God, we have to cut either. We add the mom and cut out other stuff. It's it, so That's, you have to I cut think, out stuff regardless, uh, you know, yeah. what you It's have. a two-hour movie, too, and it feels long. Oh, you know what else cut out? Um, Like, what was the deal with the homeless guy? Like, she's friends with the homeless guy, and that didn't really pay off or have anything to do with anything. It's it's So it's New York. It's establishing it as dirty, grimy New York. No one is friends. No one's friends with the homeless guy outside their building. I'll defend, the, I'll defend this. Or at least, like, I know uh, Amy's... Amy threw a lot of her comedy friends in this. You got, and David tells, she gave uh, her son, I believe she had a son. Uh, she gave him the middle name, Attel. Like, I think Dave was a very influential mentor to Amy in the comedy scene. And David tell, he's not, he's not an actor or anything. He's just like, he's a comedian's comedian. He's going to be a homeless guy. I want him in my, if I'm only going to make one movie about my life, he's going to be in it. But there was also like Nikki Glaser before she was Nikki Glaser. There was a lot of comedians who are now more well-known and she was kind of probably just like, hey, any comedian that I that helped me in my career is going to be in sure. this movie. I also recognize, That's how I saw it. I recognize the guy that Brie Larson was married to in the movie. Um Mike Birbiglia. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I believe he was like in a Broad City episode and like, uh, you know, in a few different like things here and there. So I, I kind of, I thought that was funny. Oh, the other thing I found dislikable about the Amy Schumer character is how like much she like dislikes her like sister's stepson. You know, she's just like a sweet little kid, and she's like, you know, ugh, like this freaking kid here. And I'm like, what is wrong with this kid? He's like a nice, sweet kid. He's adorable. The whole relationship with the sister was oh, really hard because like. I get it. Like they did a really good job of like making sure you knew they couldn't have grown up to be more different people. These were the most different sisters that are ever existed. One went by the way of the mom and one by went by the way of the dad. But like it was done too much to the point that you wanted both of them to be sad and miserable. Like I was rooting for both girls to end up single and alone. Well, like I bought, I bought, I buy that idea, right. Where like, you know, the, the main, um, the the main like differences between them is like you know one like worships the father more one worships the mother more and then, like you know they they don't see eye to eye on that kind of thing um, like whose fault it was you know like between their parents 
I buy all that. Uh, but you're right. It was like just done in a way where like, you know, Amy Schumer, you really can't understand why, like you really are that mad that your sister is married. Like, you know, maybe if it was to a dirtbag or something, but like just the idea of her being married with the family, she has like issues with. I'm like that, like Brie Larson says, everyone does this. Like, what is the problem? And it's not even like, it's literally everyone does this. What's this? What's the problem? And it's not even like highlighted as to like why she like she's never pushed to monogamy. The sister is never like you must join our cult of suburban housewives until no, maybe no. like the baby shower scene. But even that, it's like she kind of walked into it herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that baby. Well, that's showers, a bit. Yeah, I've heard her stand up bit. Like I, a lot of this is like her. Once again, this is the Amy Schumer movie you're basically it's a long form amy schumer show sketch sure you're getting her stand-up like i've heard her tell about those moms in like her stand-up before mm-hmm. and honestly you're getting very funny people I, you're getting tim meadows in it as well uh so pointless like why I, tim meadows i like tim meadows but like you know he was just like so random. yeah just like so randomly there um yeah in that part just to be like impressed by the athletes that bill Hader works on um that whole scene, yeah, it was, like, a little uncomfortable, but I guess that was the idea, you know, where she's, like, telling this, like, insane story. I just thought it was funny, like, oh, let's play a game where we, like, tell, like, a dark secret. I'm like, that's not even a game. <laughs> that's just, like, there's As not any rules. somebody who had to sit through this year before pandemic was ever a thing, and even since pandemic, I've had to sit through too many showers. I've even had to, at this point, sit through like several Zoom baby showers. That's not a mm. game you play. Like you do play games. The little reindeer game thing is absolutely a trope that exists. So I get that they would try to do that. But it's not a cluster of like four women like gossiping about their deep, you know, like their dirty laundry. It's like a yeah. very organized game where like you guess how many Ferrer Rochers are in this baby bottle. Yeah, it's silly. It's like lighthearted stuff. I think basically they just, it's like, okay. Let's write a scenario where Amy Schumer says something that offends these, like, very, like, you know, hoity-toity suburban ladies. And, you know, it just, again, came off to me as a bit contrived. Although uh, the one mother, uh, the one woman played by Bridget Everett was just like, uh, like, you know, I let Tom and his brother have it, like, have a gangbang with me on New Year's. I, that made me laugh. That was another, like, first of yeah. all, like, it, it was Christmas morning. It, it was the literal Lord's Day. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was like a moment like that I, I appreciate um a little bit more because it was a little more unexpected. Like we expect Amy Schumer to say something like super inappropriate, so it's not really that funny what she does. Um, you know, she could have done something a little more interesting there. Um, no, I agree. And then also because it was so short, she says it like the awkward pause there was like just the right amount of time. They didn't like make it too much of like a pregnant pause no pun intended. But it was like mm-hmm. a, a short pause, like I let them run train on me on Christmas Day okay and then end of scene and like because it was so fast like it was the cut that makes you laugh it's not Mm -hmm. like the line is funny but the cut makes you laugh and that's what like a lot of the movies lacking is just like punch live quick awkward beat move on to the next thing and leave them wanting more there was no leave them wanting more i agree i I agree that like um that sort of cut you know you should have had more in the movie like one cut that i think was like just in the wrong window there is when um, they're at like this New York basketball event and LeBron sits next to Amy Schumer and is like, you know, what are your plans or whatever? And he's being creepy. And then there's like the scene ends with him just kind of like dead eye staring at her. Right. And it was like too long, but then also too short to be funny again. You know what I mean? Like it was like, it was like in like this weird Valley where I'm like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And then like um, it was just uncomfortable. One time, I had sex with this guy, and we couldn't find the condom. So three days later, I found out it, it was attached to my cervix. It had been like kind of pounded up there. And uh, so I Googled, what do I do, right? So it said, just kind of bear down, you know, just fish it out, like with, you know, make your finger a hook. So I just, you know, like hooked my finger like this, and then just kind of bared down and just got it out of there. I let Tim and his brothers tag team me on Christmas morning. You know what? It was wonderful. You know, I'm curious, like, as people, like, obviously we're all pretty New York City centric. So, like, 
it's almost like looking into an episode of like a life of, you know, one of us or one of our friends or something. I'd be really curious to see like if, you know, I had never been to New York and I have no idea besides rom-coms what New York City is actually like. Does this play as well there? Because it's not obviously not like the same glamorous New York that you would see in a lot of other, you know, typical stereotypical rom-com movies. It's a very dark and grungy version of New York, which we know is a little bit more accurate, but like I'm curious to see if, like, I was from middle America, would I have any relation to this movie? Would I be able to see myself at all in it? Would I be? Would I want to watch it? Yeah, that's that's an interesting point because maybe if you're from middle America and you might have like a fantasy about living this New York single life, you know, dating around. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I don't know if it even lives up to that. You know, like she she lives like in the Lower East Side, right? And she. Um, you know, that's like a bit more of a grungy area, right, than what you normally see. But then you actually, Bill Hader, I think he lives in like Soho, which is like not that far either. So like I was trying to, you know, wish they played a little more of the geography there. He has that song that he loves, like Uptown Girl. Yeah, but she's not. She was a downtown girl, you know, if you know what I mean. But like, uh, you know, that was like, all right, I get that. You know, the song, I, I admit, I think the song kind of paid off at the end when she's doing the dancing and everything. Um yeah, I was like, okay, like that that paid off in a predictable way, but it worked. Honestly, I think it needed a predictable ending. For the rest of the movie, it kind of needed like a rom-com cliche. I don't know, Keith, what mm-hmm. do you think? Oh, God. Not that, though. Not like you dance, like, oh, God. Like, I hated it the first time I watched it. Like, it, the, I would say the whole third act, any goodwill that it really... I actually enjoyed like the chemistry and the buildup. And then I would say like once the fight the third act happened it just between the ezra miller the firing even like even the best of the third act and especially the the dance cheerleader stuff it was so like i hated it it dragged a lot and for I, me it it like the energy it at that flat. the energy at that point like you were feeling the runtime really actually it felt longer than it really was at that point um and like you know, again, for a movie that's like touting itself as changing the rom-com formula, like, you know, you're not really like you're having this very familiar redemption scene at the end. And, um, you know, it was it's just, again, didn't really work. Like, OK, now she's accepting sports, I guess. Um, did she have to do the trampoline thing? Probably not. <laughs> like, you know, I guess it was kind of funny. And she's but not, not even really accepting sports, like accepting sports, I feel like might be learning literally any of his patients and what they like their names and what they do. Like she went to yeah. like the dancers, which was just like evoking what she told him to go date, which was go date a dancer. Oh, she resented that. Like when the one dancer goes up to him at the basketball event, it's like, oh, can you look at my like ankle or something? There's a shot of her being like jealous or something, which like I didn't buy. I feel like her character would like not care, like or would be threatened by these super skinny girls because she's just she's supposed to be like, you know, like I don't give like a F kind of girl. Um the but she was so ignorant of sports though in the beginning when they first meet i didn't buy how unaware she was because she couldn't name a single professional sports team and she didn't know who lebron james is like everyone knows who that is like at her father's funeral they had a floral arrangement in the shape of the mets logo there was yeah, just, for, it does not make sense. Oh, wait, yeah, hold the phone a second. She says in that scene in the doctor's office, like, she genuinely is saying, I feel like people, or maybe it's in the pitch scene, like, people who like sports, I feel like, are lesser humans. It's like, wait a minute, that's your dad that you, like, take all your life philosophies from. He's a huge Mets fan, and he can name all the teams that don't end in S and stuff like that. Like, he's clearly a big sports guy. Like, so... Yeah, that actually, now I'm thinking about it, that kind of doesn't make any sense at all. Like, she could have literally just said, yes, the Mets. And, like, can you name another? The Mets. Like, that, yeah, like yeah. And that would have been be more funny. believable than the Orlando Blooms. And, like, to be fair, all of them did make me kind of do that little giggle to myself. But right. just completely devoid of, like, what the rest of the movie did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... Now that I think about it, I think a lot of times what this movie does is like it thinks of things that are funny for that particular moment without any sort of like regard to if it makes sense in context of everything else for the characters or for what the rest of the story has established. Like, again, like the Vanessa Bayer kind of like freaking out over the call 
might be funny in that moment, but like you zoom out, I'm like, wait, like that doesn't work with anything else. Like, you know, like whatever that, that to me is a big folly in like a lot of bad comedies. Like it's almost a little like desperate, like whatever, what can we do? That's funny right now, regardless of anything else we've done. It's for the immediate payoff. Like they're looking for like the quick laugh, which I mean, some of those lines landed as a quick laugh, but also as Keith mentioned, it's not like a ha ha funny movie. So there Mm. aren't really quick laughs the way you would expect there to be quick laughs. It's not like Mean Girls. It's not like, you know, no, no punchlines like that. Mm -hmm. Do you think this, uh, I feel like a lot of critics when this came out, had that opinion that you said in the beginning of when you saw it for the first time, Seth, I feel like they wanted to like it and really mm-hmm. oversold it as this game changer because you wanted to support another, like you wanted to support another woman. Like she wrote it. This is her story. Uh, like I, and I'm looking at the audience. There's actually, there's a lot of critics who kind of are taking, at least I'm like, Oh wow. You took the words right out of my mouth. And they're taking like a 2.5 out of four. And maybe this is, I'm not accusing, this is another theory, but I'm not accusing Rotten Tomatoes of anything, but maybe they tilted it towards the more positive side Mm. to the 85. There's a lot of critics are just, a a lot of critics are like, the one that really stuck out for me is there's a funny movie in Trainwreck, but you have to ship through a lot of debris to find it. And I'm like, what? I'm like, that is how I felt doing. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. There was a funny movie in there somewhere, and it was also mm-hmm. ripe with potential. I wanted yeah. to like that movie a lot. There was a lot of potential in there. And yeah. actually, I remember very clearly the first time I saw this movie when I saw it in theaters, I went as, like on a date with somebody I was not dating, but it was a date. And I was like, oh, it's great. It breaks the mold. It breaks boundaries. And the person I was with was like, I just wasted two hours of my night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I think, you know, the audience score is mixed, right? So I think what you had at the time was people who either thought what we do now or people who went on later to think what we do now, right? Like, who liked it, but then not so much later. Because, like, I don't, we all have not even rewatched it since it first came out, right? So it's not even, like, a movie people even really remember or talk about since. Like, it made a splash at the time. People did see it. It made money. Then it kind of like went away and it maybe wasn't as like as relevant or resonating as much as like we initially thought it did, because if it really did, we would go back to it more often, would we not? No, I think that you're completely right. It completely lacks the rewatchable factor. And I think with a lot of the films that kind of have that divided audience versus critic thing, what what you're really judging is how much you want to go back and watch it again. So like a lot of movies that aren't necessarily great by critic standards, you keep going back to it because it's good and funny. I almost wish I could go back to watch this movie for the first time again because Mm. admittedly it's been, it's 2020 now. I saw it in 2015. It's been five years. And maybe I built it up to be more than it was in my head that my expectations Mm. of it just couldn't be lived up to again because I remember it being a relatively funny movie. I remember, I don't remember it being the best movie, otherwise I would have watched it again, but I remember it being a funny movie. And then when I rewatched it, I'm like, oh, okay, great. I'm good now. I never need to see this movie again. It just has no yeah. rewatchability to it. And I think part of that has to do with the, the, like what we've been saying is how dislikable so many of the characters are. Cause like in the, in the best comedies, at least that you rewatch so many times, you love the characters so much, right? Like that you go back cause the characters themselves, you just like appreciate so much and you even think about afterwards a lot and these characters like i didn't want anything to do with afterwards no that's like going back to what i said about forgetting sarah marshall what makes that one so phenomenal is that you could become invested in every character you want to watch it again it does have those ha ha moments and i felt like this tried to do that and just fell on its face at every turn well uh russell brand uh aldous snow became like he's not the main character and he not only was the mvp but he got his own movie I, I really love forgetting Sarah Marshall, but um, I don't want to put Judd Apatow on trial here. Was I don't know if he was the right guy for this movie. I really like. I think he added more to this movie than was needed, mm. and that's I'm saying this as a Judd Apatow fan. 
Uh, well, like on paper, right? Uh, like, Forty-year-old see... virgin has a lot of rewatchability for me. Has yeah, like yeah, nothing I... but rewatchability, yeah. and the same with Knocked Up. I agree. Most of his movies. Well, you think on paper, right? Like, you know, I could see why someone would think Judd Apatow should direct this because of like the subject matter. Obviously, Judd Apatow's films usually like involve a lot of conversations about sex. Um, you know, tackling that topic. You know, just like you know, people's sexual lives. So, and this movie has a lot of that too. So I can see how, you know, you might think he's the right guy for the job, but, you know, then when you think about how superfluous his movies are, and this could have really, like we said, benefited from being tighter, you know, it wind up being maybe like um, a decision they should have thought more thoroughly through, you know, um, and and like try to, if, try to make it something uh, a more like lower level, you know, not have so many convoluted comedic set pieces and maybe just focus more on the, on the character comedy. Like the t- I, I, I smiled the most when she's like do- fooling around with that body suit thing. Like that made me smile. And I'm like more silly things like that. Like, you know, like this simple little silly. ideas. It lacks mm-hmm. some silly. No, I completely agree. And honestly, I don't know how much of this is actually Judd Apatow's fault. I, I'm personally hmm. a big Judd Apatow fan. Love him. Think he's a fantastic director I almost wonder if it was just too much of like a creative differences between him and Amy Schumer because you could clearly hear, you know, in the overtones for everything and the character development and and given how autobiographical autobiographical it really is, it's very much like an Amy Schumer movie. I almost wonder if the two of them just couldn't work together the way they needed to work together to make the idea sing like it needed to. Or there wasn't someone on set who... Like, I think they really said, like, let's get this person in. And then that person was really funny. And they're like, let's give you more scenes. Let's get let's get everyone in. Let's spend the whole day at the office. Hey, Ezra, I know you don't have it. Like, you know what? We really need to. You're really funny right now. Let's have a scene with you and Amy over here. There had to be someone on set going. And I'm like, guys, like I it's tough when you have like powerhouses like Apatow and Schumer. It's like, hey, maybe we can mm-hmm. we should scale it back. I think this movie would have benefited from being a little bit more simple in its plot i totally agree i could see how maybe this was like inflated as the process went on as you're saying like you know this is obviously very personal like from the the core idea the core script or story idea is very personal to amy schumer and then you know like they try to inflate it with you know let's throw in lebron james because he wants to act and let's throw in these comedic pieces and maybe this works maybe that works and let's add more and more and more and it just kind of the movie it kind of loses like maybe sense of itself in a way of what it's trying to do like half of the cameos like like Mm -hmm. every every person in there was a showstopper but you can't have every character be a showstopper that's that's not how that's not how movies work. It's not how improv works. It's not how, like, everyone can't be the guy. And I feel like every, there were so many phenomenal actors and phenomenal comedians who aren't actors and also LeBron James. There were so many personalities in it that it almost mm-hmm. lost all personality. Yeah, you know what? That's like, this is, this is Amy Schumer's movie. So you shouldn't have so many cameos and you shouldn't have so many big personalities because it's like her vehicle, it's her story. And, you know, it's like everyone is trying to constantly steal the scene, you know, from each other. And uh, I think that's like really unfortunate. It doesn't, it doesn't mesh um, that well. Um, what, one other thing I will say, though, is, um, you know, the, the title of this movie, Trainwreck. Like, when this movie at least starts and we meet this character, is she a train wreck? She has a job, right? She has at least like a creatively fueled job. She has her own apartment in Lower East Side. She has a fulfilling sexual life. Is she a train wreck? She seems to be pretty happy with herself and doing somewhat well for like a single late twenty something year old in New York City. So like I'm like, what what is the train wreck here? The title was like a throwaway for me. I agree. Uh, I think the theory, <laughs> I'm throwing out another theory. This is a theory-filled episode about a comedy movie, but I don't think the movie was originally titled Trainwreck because mm. they did not call her a train wreck at all during this movie. And I thought during the scene when John Cena broke up with her, he's like, I'm done with you. You're not a mean person. You're a bad person. You're a train wreck. I thought they were at least going to say the title then. I don't need them I'm to say tra- the title, I, but I need them to like at least like live up to... like. I think in a lot of the promotional materials, 
they're like, oh, she doesn't have it together. Like, she is a mess. Like, you know, she's... But you would think she'd be called a train wreck once. Or something someone. something along those lines. But she's, you know, that, that doesn't, it doesn't live up to that. I mean, like, it's, it's and clearly... train wreck just works like, better. train wreck is such a... It's, it's talking about her emotional self. Like, emotionally, mm. she's a train wreck. Sure. But that's also not what I would call her. Like, I'd call her emotionally stunted. Like, she's not mm. a train wreck of a human being. She is the train that wrecks. Like, she herself, she has no problem with who she is. She is not cr- up late at night saying, oh, woe is me. She is totally fine with the fact that she goes, has one night stands, like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, leaves, doesn't sleep over, goes home, goes to work the next day, and is like, yeah, everything's cool. Like, she's okay with it. She wrecks other people. I almost wonder if, mm. like, Keith, it was interesting that she said that the original character was a used car salesperson. I almost wish, like, I almost wonder if the original title was something about, like, a car wreck. Oh, car wreck. Oh. Yeah, that would make sense. I think train wreck flows better as a title. It's and they're like, catchy. Hey, you're kind of a train wreck. It's catchy. Yeah. And I, I do think, see, uh, the movie, when it, uh, JJ used the term inflated, it's just like, okay, let's, Let's pick something more flashy as your career. So we gave her this magazine job. And then when the uh, Captain Phillips guy dropped out, let's get LeBron in. That means we have to change this guy's career and we could add more cameos. Mm. I, I, I agree with both. Like this movie became so inflated that it lost a sense of at times it was Amy Schumer's movie. And at times it became something else. It lost its identity. Yeah. yeah and that's a shame. Uh, Cause like you said, I, I think um, in the moments I did smile and I did like, um, you know, it, I feel like we could have had something that was like really special that we would have gone back to more often. And we could have maybe seen, you know, a side of Amy Schumer beyond that surface level, you know, defensive self, you know, it's like a front that I think the idea was to tear down that front and, you know, have her like connect with herself emotionally. And if we were able to do that with her as an audience, that could have been really rewarding. And then I think Amy Schumer would have like a more, um, like a uh, dimensional persona as a comedian afterwards. Um, so it's a shame. I completely agree because like, even at the end, her, like her character's arc has so little payoff. Like at the end of it, like she decides what that dating is okay. Like that's not like that crazy of like a uh, heat personal growth. Mm-hmm. Not that big a stretch. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> really. okay, congratulations. Yeah. You got a boyfriend. You already had one in the beginning of the movie. Like, it's not like she yeah. really did grow this much. It's mm-hmm. It has so little payoff in that sense. Yeah, I think the only thing is, like, I would like to, like, when they have that big fight, it's, like, clearly her fault, right? Like, when they have the fight, when she steps out of the thing, it's clearly her fault, but then she lays it on him. There's no way to shake that. It's completely her fault. And she just becomes a more odious character that she refuses to take literally any modicum of responsibility. That to me is like a scene trying to work into a problem. Like, I'm just like, guys, you can, A, you can easily like talk this out. But I'm like, you guys are like, this is Mount uh, Molehill out of, or Mountain out of of Molehill type. I'm like, guys. This is insane. This is how aliens talk about relationships. Like you literally right. left in the middle of an award ceremony to take a phone call and then you lit up a joint in the mm, middle of yeah. an award ceremony. Like yeah, at it's, it's what hard. point do you think you have the moral high ground? And then also as somebody who quote doesn't do monogamy, she clearly had all the cliche talking points of like why like of like the needy girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, yes. And he took it and he yes. took it and which doesn't make any sense for him as a character either. Right. So if anything, yeah. we should see her like at least, you know, she does this spectacle for him in like the basketball thing. But, you know, a better payoff would be her just kind of like understanding better how relationship dynamics work and not really just kind of doing this one big gesture. Um, and then like the end, basically, like the kind of um, that doesn't really pay off at all. It's just getting done in the gym. Yeah. You're coming out of fat burger. It's probably gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> say, this, say the pizza thing. <laughs> Maybe we can do it as a couple. Like, I'll be your coach. I don't want you to be my coach. You're an asshole. Like, my coach, I'm the biggest loser. <laughs> such a <laughs> Come on, motherfucker. Do the Mandarin thing. Do the Mandarin thing. Hopefully, oh, should Jung win. Sorry. What does that mean? I'll be, uh, I'll be Chinese. This is not a Mandarin situation. It's a tonal romantic language. <laughs> <laughs> Dong City, right? 
Niao Chu Shi Shoujian. Uh, please don't speak. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Please don't speak. Well, the teacher, Zainali, where is my car? <laughs> so, uh, I think we are now reaching the point where we can um, give our final thoughts on this train wreck of a movie. Train wreck. Um, so, uh, we'll start with Steph. What would be your percentage score um, and final thoughts on train wreck? In all honesty, I'd probably give it a 55. Um, mm-hmm. John Cena gets like 30 of the points. Um, hmm. And Bill Hader gets the rest of them. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that um, I, I, I like that, uh, you know, um, distribution of points there. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Uh, what do you think, Keith? Uh, I hearken back to our very first episode, JJ, of this podcast, uh, where we did Batman v Superman. Oh, and it's very similar. Like, film. And all very similar film. Uh, but the I would say this movie has very good moments. And if I was if I ever caught it on like HBO or Showtime, and it was on a scene that I liked, I would watch the scene and then I would turn it off. Mm-hmm. But this movie does not have that much rewatchability. It has the good points that it talks about, but we we kind of dissected why we're what could have been better about this movie. And for that, I'm going to give it the same score as Batman v Superman, a 54. A 34? A 54. A 54, okay. F- 54. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm in line with you guys. Uh, yeah, I, I think actually, if anything, I don't dislike it as much as when I first saw it. When I first saw it, uh, it was like in a movie theater, and I kind of felt the same way as your friend did stuff, where I'm like, you know, um, like that was a waste, <laughs> you know? Uh, but... Um, so at the time, if this is 2015, I would have given this like maybe like a like a 38 or something. But looking back at it now and seeing, you know, trying to appreciate like what initially set out to do, um, I'll be a little more lenient. But go down the line with you guys. I'll give it like I'll give it like a 52, basically. You know, there's something there. It's not totally unwatchable, um, but just like you know, not not very rewarding um, at the end of the day. No. So. And a missed opportunity. I think it could have been great. Yeah, probably its biggest sin. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, uh, you know, we probably averaged in the, the mid to low 50s there somewhere. But uh, yeah, we are uh, officially siding with the audience on Trainwreck. So uh, put that one in the books there. Um, so uh, thanks, Steph, for coming back on the podcast. Yes, um, thank you. This was a fun one to rewatch. And I, I, I actually took notes because I had just too many thoughts <laughs> about how much I was surprised I didn't like the movie. So thank you so much for inviting me to actually chat through this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, you were a great fit for this one. So, um, you yeah, know, we'll definitely, uh, you know, keep you in mind from our future episodes. And we'd love to have you back on again. Anytime. Um, Yeah, great. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, catch us again next time for another Divided Film. Thanks a lot. Bye.